Welcome to the weekly teaching program from Finally Alive Ministries with pastor and counselor Gary Aris. Gary is a full-time pastoral counselor and teacher of God's Word. He has a remarkably deep passion to see people set free in Christ. You may call our prayer line at 657-246-2464 or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. That's prayer at finallyalive.com. Now, let's join Gary as he shares some amazing truth from God's counsel in this week's teaching. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Gary Aris, your very own Christian counselor. You are listening to Finally Alive Radio. Visit us at finallyaliveradio.com. Well, I thank you for listening today. And today's topic might offend you a little bit (laughs) Um, because we're going to talk about you and your money. Uh, it's always a touchy subject. That's one subject uh, I think most people don't like to talk about, especially about you and how you give. But it's in the Bible. Therefore, it's a subject that must be talked about. That's just the way that is. So all that said, uh, I want to get into the proper way of giving. I want you to give the way the Bible says so. And my argument is, you know, against, um, you know, there are some that do it inappropriately and want to compel you and pull you and push you into giving. But I want you to give for the right reason. But I want you, if you're going to give, to give appropriately according to the Bible. So let's get right into that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. He starts off in verse 1 saying, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Verse 2. If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Verse 4. That is the whole point of this chapter. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? The idea being this. Paul, in verse 1, tells you his authority and who he is. He's an apostle. He is a sent one. Verse 4, telling you, doesn't the sent one deserve to eat too? Meaning, why would you take that away from him? And truthfully, How dare you take that away from him? Verse 6, Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Now I want you to notice verse 7. Notice the examples he gives you. He says, Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Do you know any soldier who goes to war at, at his own expense? Of course not. His next question is, Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it. Obviously, the farmer is going to eat some of the fruit from the vineyard. Or, who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? Paul is saying, if a person goes to work, he is allowed, if not deserves, to be taken care of. The soldier, the farmer, or the one who tends a flock. 
Verse 8, he says, I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? So notice what he does. He gives you some common sense in verse 7. Soldier, farmer, uh, tender of the flock. And then verse 8, he goes for the jugular here, (laughs) if I could say it that way, and brings up the Old Testament, which is verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? That's what he says. And the idea being, if this is what the law says about an ox, that you shouldn't, if I can say, abuse the ox while he's threshing, how much more does he care about his people who preach for him, who are working for him, if I could say it that way? So notice what, he, what Paul does. Uh, he starts with common sense, and then right here he goes into the proof uh, based on the Old Testament. So he throws in a whole bunch of authority on this one, meaning this is straight from God. This isn't just me making this up. Do according to what God wants us to do. Verse 10, or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake, it was, it was written because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. Notice the term, notice what he's saying here. The plowman and the thresher deserve to be taken care of. Rightfully so. Verse 11, if we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? When you go to church, the preacher is sowing spiritual things in you. He is giving you lessons. You are being washed by the word of God. You owe it. Listen to me carefully. You owe the pastor. You owe that preacher what he deserves. I love the question Paul asks here. If you're getting spiritual things, is it too much to ask that you give up your material things? And technically, it's not really even a fair trade. I mean, the spiritual lasts forever. The material doesn't. We've talked about this dozens of times. Stuff disappears. Stuff is gone. We need it. I get it. You know, we need a home. We need, we need money. But it disappears. The spiritual aspect doesn't disappear. If you hold on to it, if you practice it, it stays forever. In fact, the spiritual, that's the difference. The spiritual stays forever. Everything else doesn't. Material will disappear. So his rhetorical question here, the answer is no. It's not too much to ask for them to give of their material things. You know, most people, I didn't either, but you know, I never thought of this in the past, but most don't understand what their preacher's going through. You know, the pastor that you sit under, do you understand the hours and hours and hours that they spend putting together that sermon just for you? The hours of prayer, perhaps the hours of fasting in some cases. They are your servant. They are the greatest servants, if I could say it that way in the church. You know, they're sacrificing, again, just like it says here, in hope. The hope is that you'll grow, number one, spiritually, but number two, that you're going to take care of them. You're going to come through for them. Well, guess what? You're listening to a ministry right now. After you've taken care of your church, 
because that's the primary thing. And listen to me carefully. Notice what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to compel you to do it the wrong way. I want you to do it the right way. The right way is this. You take care of your pastor. He is your shepherd. I think maybe for some, this show might be your church. You might consider me a pastor or your pastor. You're more than welcome to. And I will give you the gospel and I will give you all the lessons for free here. But you've got to know very clearly that just like Paul says, you owe the preacher. You can complain and say, oh, well, you know, you're supposed to do this for free. Yeah, I am doing it for free. You're not being charged to hear this. I don't charge you a thing. You're getting the show for free, which means it's voluntary. But number one, you give to your pastor. You give to your home church. This, for I think uh, some people, will be a secondary place to learn or grow. So after you've taken care of your church and your giving, you take care of the other ministries that are blessing you. And you know what? Nobody's above this. Not even the pastor. Understand me very, very well here. Even the pastor, if, if they're learning, if they're growing from someone or something, they owe it to them. Even a pastor. So if you're a preacher, I'm, t- I'm talking to you too. You know, I've learned so much from other people that when, even if they weren't my pastor, and guess what? It's my responsibility to, to, to bless them somehow, some way. It was my responsibility to do that. And to this day, it's still my responsibility. If I learn from someone, still to this day is my responsibility to take care of that person. Nobody's above this. Now look at his last example in verse 13. He says, Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So he references Old Testament philosophies. You know, part of the the Israelite priest's payment came from the sacrifices of the people. This is what they would call like a peace offering. Guess what? The priest got a piece of that. And that was God's doing. That's the way God wanted it. You got to realize God is going to take care of you. God is going to take care of his kids. And part of that are his priests. They're not working like a, a, a job. But they're working for God. Some will respect that. Some won't. That's on them. But to those who appreciate it, must take care of their preacher. And many times I've seen this happen too. When the congregation doesn't take care of their ministers, the ministers now have to start to scheme and think of ways to raise money to keep the doors open, to keep their families fed, or whatever else. I mean, that's a horrible thing. Now, you've, you've actually allowed your minister to be tempted to go and scheme, and that's horrible. Quite honestly, this is just my take. I don't think any minister should have to go and get a second job. Reality is, here in America, many of them are bivocational. They, they, they have another job. It's unfortunate. But that is a twofold problem. Here, here's my take. This is just my observation. Twofold problem. Number one, it's the pastor. 
many times, I don't see many preachers talking about this subject and they're very lenient on this subject. No, it's a very important subject. You can't blame a congregation who doesn't understand this. They're not going to give the way that they're supposed to. The second issue is if the message has been preached correctly, then the congregation may be at fault where they're not taking God's word seriously. And that's a very big problem. You want to give according to the way God wants you to give. And that's what we're trying to understand here. Verse 14, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. My friends, it can't get any clearer than that. Paul, I mean, the genius I think that this man was, brings you proof from every angle. One is the natural with the whole army and the farmer. Second, he goes into the authority of the Old Testament and the Torah. Third, he brings up the Lord, Jesus, New Testament. So here's New Testament giving. He's saying there's a, there's a similarity to the Old Testament. It's not the same, but there's a similarity. And just to reference what Jesus would say, Matthew 10, 10, Jesus says, for the worker is worthy of his support. The worker is worthy of his support. You know, the preacher must be appreciated or else you are forcing them into temptation to start to sell and, and find gimmicks, okay? I, I don't want to do gimmicks, all right? But listen, I'm going to trust God. So be mindful of what Paul is saying here. Your preacher deserves the material things if he's given you spiritual food. It's just common sense. You go to a restaurant, you can hate the food, chances are you're going to pay for it, aren't you? And this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of what we're doing at this ministry. I will stand by what it says in the Bible. You can eat here for free. Listen to me carefully. You can eat here for free. The gospel is not for sale here. Which means you, by the grace of God, must voluntarily give. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1 says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. All, all that to say is that the Macedonians were poor, but they gave as if they were wealthy. They gave very liberally. Verse 3, For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability. So these Macedonians, again, who were poor, gave beyond their ability. And I'm not saying that you have to, give, you have to do it that way. So, and that's not the point of this. The idea is that you would give within your means. But this is just an example. Continuing, he says, They gave of their own accord, meaning they gave voluntarily. That is the point of this part right here. I want you to realize it doesn't matter where you are in life, whether you're rich or poor, that's not the issue here. The issue is that you give and you give voluntarily. Uh, In Mark 12, I'm going to skip there just for a second. Verse 41, it says, And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury, and many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in 
two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. So the idea isn't that you give to the point of it hurting, but I want you to see what Jesus observed and actually appreciated. So you give to this ministry what you think it's worth. If you feel like you listen to a message, any of the messages, and you feel like you got something of worth, then you give accordingly what you think it's worth. Go to God about it. I'm not going to give you a number. That's up to you and God. That's the voluntary aspect of this. Otherwise, if you get absolutely nothing from this show, you're free to listen to it. It's all free. And give nothing. But if you're gaining something and giving nothing, you're not reciprocating. You're not doing what God wants you to do. Know that. And this isn't just on you. It's also on me to make sure I'm giving to people I'm, I learn from. I've grown up under. You know, I've got to make sure I, I take care of my pastor and give him his worthship, what I believe he's worth in the message. You know, being a billionaire and giving a thousand dollars, well, probably doesn't hurt you as much as it would hurt the rest of us who would cringe giving a thousand dollars, right? So I just want you to realize what Jesus appreciated here is that the one who had basically nothing, a penny, was the one he actually noticed and appreciated. And here's the point. The dollar amount isn't the key issue here. You know, a lot of people want to make that the issue. I'm saying, no, it's not the dollar amount that, that's the key issue. The key issue is, did you, number one, do it voluntarily? Did you do it according to the way God wanted you to give? That is the key point here. You must give according to the way you believe God is telling you to give. Whether it's a lot, whether it's a little, it doesn't matter. That's none of my business. That's between you and God. And number two, that you do it voluntarily. Of your own accord, as it says here. Back to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 4. He says, Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Verse 7, But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all earnestness and in love we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. Verse 7 is such a slap in the face because he's saying you have it all. You've got the faith, you've got the utterance, the knowledge, the earnestness. But where's your giving? I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. A very good way to prove that you trust God is how you give. 
Will you trust God if you give? Will you trust God that when you give, he's going to see to it that you're still taken care of? Here's where the rubber meets the road. This is where your faith kicks in. We all want to talk big when it comes to faith, but here's where the rubber meets the road. One thing you cannot fake in Christianity is giving. There's no way to fake it because you can't get it back. So walk out your faith. And verse 8 goes right along with verse 7. Paul says, I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. So what Paul is saying is give and give big. Because if you care about God, you're going to give according to what he wants you to give. But be compelled, be moved by the love of God. Nothing else. You can't be compelled for any other reason. You must be compelled by the love of God. When the motive is God, the love of God, the appreciation of God, the healthy fear of God, then you're giving appropriately. The motivator is the love of God. That's how you give. Verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And I want to clarify this and listen to me very carefully. Though he was rich, Paul is not talking about money. I've heard some people say that, see, here's the verse that tells you, you're going to be rich so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, I've heard people preach and say, ah, you see, you give to God, you will be rich. God's going to give you a whole bunch of money. No, that's not what it says. Paul is speaking spiritual things here. He's not talking material things. Jesus was rich as it says here in verse 9, not materially. He was rich spiritually. He was the richest of them all. He is God in the flesh. Yet for your sake, he became poor. What, you think he left him money in heaven? You don't need money in heaven. Are you kidding me? No, the richness was a spiritual aspect. So guess what? He's saying that Jesus became poor, spiritually poor. He became human for your sake and mine. And by believing in Jesus Christ, we become rich spiritually. Has nothing to do with your money. Nothing. And for those who preach that, shame on you. Because you are trying to force or dangle a carrot in front of people to tempt them and lying to them, saying that they will be rich if they give to you in your ministry. Shame on you. No. You give by being motivated by God and his love, not for the sake of getting back. The truth of the matter is the word of God is is already the spiritual deposit in you. It's our responsibility to give back, not for the sake of getting money back. See, this is what people get wrong. We think we give to get. No, no, it's actually the other way around. You get, you receive 
to give. You know, don't be like the parable that Jesus talks about, the guy trying to build a storehouse for his surplus, and the next day he dies. Don't be that guy. It's fine if you have a surplus. I'm not against someone having a surplus. Don't get me wrong. But don't allow human greed to choke out what God is trying to do here. There's a flow that is happening. It, it, it's flowing through God, through me right now, to you, and it's supposed to go in, a, in, in full circle back to this ministry. That is a flow there. That is a flow that we need to be creating. That is the flow that's supposed to be happening in your church with your pastor. You take care of him. This, this silly nonsense of keeping the pastor poor to keep him humble, that's not your job. Why are you acting like God? I, I just, I've heard that saying in the, in the past a lot. You know, we don't give a lot so we can keep our minister humble. No, that's not your, that's not your position to say. The pastor is under God. He's under his rule, not under your rule. That just, that's not the way it works. So you let God do the correcting, not you. You give according to the way God wants you to give, freely, voluntarily, but motivated by God's love. Look, for us as believers, giving isn't an option. We're supposed to give. It is an obligation to give, but how you give is voluntary. And that sounds confusing. You as a Christian, part of our makeup as Christians is to be givers, starting with the gospel and everything else under that. From giving the gospel to helping our brethren. It's our responsibility. That's what Christians do. And we as Christians together have to understand that giving also requires funds, money, just the way it is. Now, I'm going to go into a part two next time, but I want you to really consider these verses that we just talked about today and really go to God about this. We have to realize this ministry will go as far as you and I together put together are willing to do. I'm willing to go as far as I have to, but we have to do this together. You and I, we've, in a sense, got a partner up here. And I'll put it in a real simple way. Very simple. You can listen to the show absolutely free forever. As long as it's online and everything else. I don't want to charge for it. I don't want a penny for it. But according to the Bible, if you feel like you've gained something, you've learned something, you've grown, it's sparked some thought, or simply agree with the message, then you give. Think of this in a sense like you would school. You go to school and you pay for it. You pay for that education. We're doing something similar here and the tuition will depend. There isn't a number I can tell you. This is an, an, an idea of the word worship. Worship isn't just singing a song. The idea in, in the English, the original word for worship was actually a compound word of worth-ship. So this is what you can do. You can go to finallyliveradio.com, click on any of the shows, and if you scroll down, you'll see an orange button with a heart, and it says support us. You click on that, 
and it gives you options. You can call by phone. You can give online right there. You can mail it if you'd like. And the mailing address is 135 South State College Boulevard, Suite 200. That's 135 South State College Boulevard, Suite 200. That's in Brea, B-R-E-A, California, 92821. Make sure you put it to Finally Alive Ministries. So we have a whole bunch of options of ways to give. Look, do your part, and I'll do mine. Thank you for your support. And no, I'm very appreciative of your support. It does mean a lot. And you have a part in keeping this ministry going. Again, I thank you. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you again for joining us on this week's program with Pastor and Counselor Gary Harris of Finally Alive Ministries. We pray that if God has touched your heart with any part of today's teaching, you would respond and move into the healing that God has for you. Visit us at finallyalive.com. There, you can download this episode for free, email your concerns, questions, or share a story of how God is using this teaching to help you grow in Christ and His freedom. If you'd like to call our prayer line, you may do so at 657-246-2464. That's 657-246-2464. Or email at prayer at finallyalive.com. We will meet you again next week at this same time when we look at God's Word with Pastor and Counselor Gary Harris and learn how to finally be alive in Christ.